Hello everyone, Brian here. If you'd like to support the Head Games Podcast, I encourage you to check out our Patreon page over at www.patreon.com forward slash headgamespodcast, games spelled G-A-M-S, of course. There's all kinds of exclusive content and perks waiting for you over there, so please go ahead and check us out, and thank you as always for your support. everyone, and welcome to episode 19 of the Head Games Podcast. I am your host, Brian Gottlieb, joined, as always, by Mr. Jonathan Carter. Jonathan, I have missed the sound of your voice. How have you been doing? <laughs> Missing yours as well. I feel like it's been years since we recorded. It's been a minute. And first, I'll apologize to our listeners. I feel bad that it's been a little while since we've done a show, but a few things... I never want to do a show that isn't our best show. I want to make sure we're delivering high quality stuff every single time we sit down to do this. And I think that given just how much stuff I've had going on in my life recently, I was not in a position to deliver the best show. So we took a few weeks off and I'm cool with that. I hope our listeners are cool with that. Uh, Are you cool with it, Jonathan? That work for you? Yeah, and I think it's important to practice what we preach a little bit. I mean, we talk all about balance and joy and just like bringing your best self. And there's no reason to to like force the the function if you have a lot of injury and stress and all that stuff going on. And hopefully our listeners understand that. Yeah, I think they do too. And as you implied, it's it's kind of a two-part thing that has been delaying my participation in this cast. The first being a fairly devastating injury. I think we will probably talk more about this as the weeks go on. But unfortunately, I was out on a snowboarding trip. I fell. I damaged the exact same shoulder I had previously damaged. Not the same injury. I didn't tear my labrum again. I did, however, break my clavicle and separate my shoulder. (laughs) So it hurts a lot. It has hurt a lot. It has been really tough as far as just general mental state has gone. I mean, obviously, I I have stopped running. I haven't run now. And uh, I mean, I think it's we're almost on three weeks since the injury. And that's been really, really hard. Obviously, my marathon training is completely derailed. All the health stuff we talked about is, I wouldn't say completely derailed. I'm doing what mm-hmm. I can. But obviously, there's severe limitations. So Uh, It's been hard. And we're going to talk about that, I think, in a future episode, because there's so much other stuff going on that I really want to focus on and get to this week. And the first being, I want to check in on kind of something we intimated towards in one of our previous episodes. I did something new last week. Uh, Yeah, I I did my first ever broadcast of a Magic the Gathering tournament. Did you get a chance to to watch and listen at all, Jonathan? I did. That was how I got my my Brian audio fix with with nice. visuals to back it up. It looked very schnazzy. It, I, did it bring you back to lawyer days, suiting up for? Yeah, your job? every every time, and this has never changed. Like I've so when I when I first went to law school, very much not a suit and tie person. In fact, I remember watching a YouTube video learning how to tie a tie the first <laughs> time I had to go to like a law school function, uh-huh. and I thought eventually. I'd kind of break into this place where 
I am a suit guy now. And actually, I, I do kind of like suits, but still, every time I put it on, I think of, do you remember the movie Donnie Darko? Yeah. Where he asked the guy in the rabbit suit, he's like, why are you wearing that stupid rabbit <laughs> right, suit? Right. And then the rabbit goes, why are you wearing that stupid man suit? That's yeah, how yeah. I feel every single time I put on the suit. <laughs> so yeah, that hasn't quite clicked with me yet. But regardless, I did do the cast, I think things went very well. Obviously, there's kind of like, I, I want to leave that determination to other people. I don't want to declare right, myself right. the victor. That's their determination to make if they enjoyed the cast. But it was an interesting experience preparing for that, getting ready for it. And I think we wanted to start our cast talking about that this week. And I know, Jonathan, you had some questions you had thought yeah. about. And they refer back to our previous guest. Do you remember what episode that was? I think we're going back like three or four episodes now. Yeah. Listeners missed it. Probably 15 or 16, if I had to guess. I think it's entitled Learning Something New or something yeah. to that effect. So you may want to go back, freshen up on that episode if you haven't had the chance to listen to it. Yeah. First, I, I think it's like completely fair for you to, and, and good for you to evaluate yourself because I think we've all done things that, that were new and we very astutely identified that it sucked <laughs> and it didn't go well at all. So I think, yeah. I imagine like we, we've talked quite a bit, you have a pretty good dose of self-awareness you you know when things land and when things don't so was it perfect i think it'd be insane to think that you were perfect your first go ahead but i think it's it's nice to be in a place where you're at least pleased with your own first performance yeah i think you know and to that effect if i had strived for perfection i would have driven myself Mm. insane i think the most crucial thing to being comfortable and finding success was accepting that I was going to mess something up very badly and life was just going to go on. And in fact, there was an intro to one round that I flubbed pretty hard. It kind of was some uh, technical things going on and a slide didn't show up when I expected it to. And (laughs) I had crossed up some information and the whole kind of like intro just didn't land at all. And it was fine. I just let it go. I moved on to the next thing. It's like less than a minute of a 16 hour broadcast. And and (laughs) if you let yourself focus on it, you can devastate yourself. But at the same time, it's like, no one remembers that. It's just a moment in time where things didn't go perfectly and you can't hold yourself to that kind of standard. So that was the first thing I had to get out of my system when I was basically mentally preparing myself to sit down and do the broadcast. Yeah, in worst case, it's it's hilarious whatever you do and someone just gets to like Twitch clip it and then you just have that forever. (laughs) Yeah. I was curious, thinking about it, um, you knew about, it was what, like five, six weeks at least you knew before your first experience Longer was going to be? Yeah, okay. I've known a for a while now. Yeah. yeah. So I'm curious how the, the expectations matched up to the actual reality reality of it. So like you clearly had tons of time to think about what that weekend was going to be like. And I, I imagine in, in quite some detail, I'm curious how those those two pictures lined up with what actually happened. It's funny because I didn't, I didn't like really ruminate on the topic because Mm. I think in part, just because I've been so busy that I don't really get a chance to just sit down and really consider all the ways things could go right or wrong. I guess instead I did some visualization and more just thinking of myself in the role and like the type of situations that might come up. And, It's kind of reminiscent. You ever do the thing where you're kind of upset about something or 
you know, you're angry at someone and you create the entire false argument in your head. You're like playing <laughs> both sides and, yeah. you, and then afterwards you stop and you're like, I just created an entire argument based on absolutely nothing. It was similar. It was similar to that where I would create like entire situations, entire games and just visualize how Jerry and I would cast those games. And I think a lot of that visualization led to more comfort than mm. I should have had given my experience level because I felt like I had kind of lived it a bunch of times, even though mm-hmm. I actually hadn't. So I don't know. I, I think like as far as how it matched up with my expectations, obviously I only considered actual broadcasting. I didn't consider all the stuff around it. And on top of that, the thing I often thought about was the real essence of the task. So to me, that's calling an actual game of magic. And that's why it doesn't surprise me that the part that actually flustered me a little bit and made me a little, I wouldn't say quite uncomfortable, but off balance was things like doing ad reads Mm. or throwing the breaks or doing the intro when the camera first comes to us. All those things are things you don't think about, or at least I didn't think about when I was thinking about, okay, I'm going to start casting Match with Gathering tournaments. You think about the gameplay, but all that other stuff is just as important part of your job, if not more important, really. Yeah, I think that stuff's fascinating. And just think of like any live show or competition or whatever you see, like it seems so fluid. The people who have been doing it for a bit and and part of that's because there's people working behind the scenes that just help right. make things like that happen. But yeah, I, I was thinking about it. Like anytime I hear someone read an advertisement, I think I would struggle to not do it like really sarcastically. <laughs> like, uh, and I think there's just, my personality, my take on advertisements, but I would be hard for me to be authentic me doing something I love, talking about this game I love, and then having to switch to like da 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 weekly d d d d d and 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 maintain that same like me part of it. I I think that's fair, and I think one of the good things about broadcasting in the environment I broadcast in is that the vast majority of the ads I was exposed to were products I do use. Star City Games is, you know, one of the primary sources for magic information on the planet. I think I also think it happens to be the best source. And I'm not just saying that because I write for them. I actually feel that way. So it's easy for me to endorse their product. And I do like a lot of what they do. So it's pretty easy to lean into those ads. Gotcha. So if it was I was authentic. just reading like Yeah, I mean it felt very authentic to me. If I was reading like, you know, hamburger ads, maybe I would feel very differently. That would be very <laughs> difficult for me. But thankfully, things like that yeah. don't show up. Yeah. A good veggie burger maybe would be okay. But Right, right. <laughs> so in, in most of your lag time leading up to this, you like you had some minor injuries along the way while you were doing your whole running thing. Um, the whole shoulder clavicle thing is is pretty new. Yeah. So most of your prep, you weren't, I imagine you weren't envisioning yourself in lots of pain nope. sitting there recovering from this injury. I'm curious, like, like how much of a wrench did that throw into it? Uh, a huge wrench. Okay. And I mean, there's really no way around it. I'll say this in the moment. Was I conscious of it? No, definitely mm. not. When the camera stopped and I stood up and like mm. my shoulder was just throbbing and aching or the fact that like my wife had to pack my suitcase for me because I literally oh, man. like can't, I can't <laughs> yeah. move. I, like I right. can't do anything. And, you know, I'm getting some use back, but the the day I took my brace off for the first time was the day I was on camera. Oh wow! So I had just had no use of that arm. It had been basically immobilized 
Yeah, I didn't. I actually didn't even know until the day before when I had a doctor's appointment if he was going to say it was okay if I took it off. Mm, actually, when I went to watch the VODs, I was partially expecting to see like you in a suit brace combo platter. And I was yeah. happy to see that you weren't in it because that, that obviously means you're progressing. But the, the image was definitely funny. <laughs> Right. I, I was still wearing it. I was still wearing it between rounds. I know I got a chance to meet a bunch of people at the tournament. And depending on when you met me, I was either wearing the brace or not wearing the brace. You know, it, it's a pain to take on and off, but it did give me a level of comfort when it was on and, you know, help with the pain a little bit. So I was taking it on and off. But you're right. This, not in my wildest dreams could I have anticipated that that was something I was going to have to overcome as I took on this new task and this thing I had never done before, I think my attitude was, it was just basically like, okay, you, you already are tasked with doing something new. You're already out of your comfort zone. Does this actually change anything? It's like, no, I wasn't going to be 100% comfortable <laughs> even if I had usage of both my arms. Is it an additional hurdle? Absolutely. Right. But as far as a fundamental change to what I had to do, no, not really. And like I said, my wife was super helpful. Jerry was super helpful. And all the people at SCG, you know, were considerate of it. So we we made it through. Uh, I can't wait until I finally get to do a broadcast not in pain. That sounds like <laughs> a blast. Even these like podcasts, I, I just recorded the game podcast yesterday and like my shoulder was throbbing by the end. And it's just like, it, it hurts a lot right now. And it's, it's tough when you're trying to do a very uh, focus oriented task, but what can you do but power through? I mean, it's the circumstances as you presented them and you either adapt or you fail. So, Right. And that's the, the like controllability portion of it. I, I imagine, I know a few weeks ago, this was impacting your sleep. I can't imagine sleep is like perfect. No, no, it hasn't been good. And, and that's also playing into things. <laughs> I don't want to have just this be an endless list of all yeah, the yeah. horrible things going on right now. But yeah, you're, you're right. Sleep has been an issue on top of it. Well, I, but I think it's an interesting lesson. I think what you said about like it being something new and that's your approach. It's like, yeah, you had never cast a magic tournament before. You'd also never cast a magic tournament while injured. So like they were right. both, either one would be a brand new task and, and one is obviously a little bit harder you focused on the aspects you could control of it and, and like made it the best you could. I'm curious, like injury aside, obviously like moving forward, you would love to do a tournament and cast it without any injury. I'm curious if there's anything either skill oriented, that's like very directly related to the casting, but I'm probably to no shock more interested in like mentally either in your, your lead up or between rounds or even in in the heat of the moment as you're doing this, like if there's anything you would tweak for your next cast? So I think casting is strange. Well, I don't even want to say that. Casting has a feature that is shared actually by a lot of things I've done in my life. And it's, it's probably somewhere close to flow state, hmm. but it's more about fear for me. And I, hmm. funnily enough, will equate it to snowboarding. And <laughs> when you're snowboarding with fear, it's really difficult to snowboard well. Like you just have to let yourself go and lean into the task you're doing and embrace the kind of like wild out of controlness of it all and turn that into kinetic energy, basically. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I think that casting is exactly the same. And mm. when you have no fear and you're just like, this is who I'm, this is what I'm going to do. I'm just going to be myself and see what comes out. 
I think that's the best casting you can do. And I actually had this conversation. I won't say with who, just because I don't, I don't want to misquote them, but someone with stake in Star City Games broadcasting of the events. And we were talking back and forth. And basically I told them, look, the most important thing to me is that I just go in there, be myself, do what I do and see if I'm, if I'm good at this. And I think I can do a lot and fake a lot and build a lot into my casting via practice and via like a list of things I should achieve. Like, okay, I should Mm -hmm. make sure to do this, this, and this. But I couldn't make myself better than mediocre by faking it. I think I can make myself great by just leaning on what kind of got me this opportunity and being who I am. And there's two options, right? Either I'm completely genuine, I'm myself, and it's a hit, it's great, people really like it, or they don't, and they hate (laughs) it, and they don't want me to do this anymore. And it's like, either one of those two results is better than me pretending to be something I'm not and dealing with the stress of like being fake on camera for 16 hours. I'll, I'll take either side of the equation of me being genuine over that approach any day. Well, and I think that approach is probably also not interesting for the viewer. Like, I think we've seen people fake their way through things or you've seen people very clearly out of their element and like that that creates a, a tension just in the the viewing experience that I don't think is enjoyable in the long term. But that, that sounds like a similar approach to when either of us have talked about starting like doing podcasts or, or just any of the endeavors we've taken on over the past couple of years, like this leaning into it and just kind of embracing it full steam ahead. Like this is me, I'm doing this and this is who I am. And, and like, that's where we found success. So I think that's really cool that you've identified that. That's why you've had previous successes. And I think bringing that to broadcasting makes total sense. Like it, it would be silly, I think, for you to to change course when that approach is, is kind of what got you to where you are right now anyway. Right. But there's still like part of you in the moment that wants to be better oh, and yeah, be yeah. like... <laughs> Be like, as you, as you've seen broadcasters do before, you're like, okay, I should do this. I should do that. <laughs> or I want to be like this person. And then you have to stop yourself and like check in and, and take stock of what you're actually trying to accomplish. And what I think you're trying to accomplish is impart, impart your personality on whatever you're doing mm. and hope that people connect with it. Give right. them the opportunity to connect with it at least. Because if you, if you're doing anything else, I think you're just setting yourself up for failure. Yeah. And that doesn't mean that there aren't mechanics that you can do better, but it's about Mm -hmm. figuring out how to improve them while still being you. Right. And I think there's a host of mechanical things. Like, like I think my podcasting voice has evolved over time, the way I, I talk when I'm at the microphone. And that doesn't, to me, it doesn't feel like not being genuine. It just feels like helping my listeners. Like I've learned to make my voice, even if it's a different than my regular voice, reflect who I actually am. Does that make sense? Like I'm still able yeah. to pull back into the core of it, even if it is a little bit fake and a little bit manufactured because I didn't force it. I let it evolve over time. I let it be something I was conscious of, but not shaping my thoughts. Hmm. Yeah, I've, I've seen this in some of my work life. So a lot of what I end up doing in the bigger courses that I've done with the military is like, sometimes we have a week or two weeks with the same group of people. And we're, we're trying to get them to understand certain aspects of performance or resilience and, and be able to grasp it and then bring it back to their organizations. And 
storytelling ends up being a really effective method to get people to understand a concept. And so the stories I tell are genuine. Like they are part of my life. They really happened. Like it, it's me being me. But if you attend like these courses that I, that I do numerous times and, and you came to another one, you, you'd hear the same story. And it, it sounds spontaneous. I, I like to think of it as like rehearsed spontaneity. Like mm. the story is absolutely authentically me and the emotions that I'm conveying are real and they were real in terms of the story. But like I've also made sure that for each concept that I'm teaching, like the stories that I use there or the examples that I give, maybe there's a few of them, that they illustrate the point because I know what my learners need to understand. So is it the first time I've told the story? Absolutely not. And, and it, way in the back, like the first few times I've told the stories, they, they're probably not nearly as effective. And maybe I've just tweaked little wordings here and there or tweaked like the the drama that I bring to it in, in terms of my pacing or, or how I enunciate things. And so they are authentically me, but it's for a certain outcome. Right. Right. And I think that can be challenging to do sometimes. Like you have to check in with yourself and make sure you're not losing yourself to your goals. Yeah. Which is a a weird, weird concept that I, I think I failed at this once before. I think I failed when I was becoming a lawyer. I think I went way too far down the path of like making sure I fit what I thought the mold had to be at the firm I was at. And so I I felt uncomfortable every day I was there. I felt like I was playing a role every single day. And I mean, had I leaned into who I actually am, I don't know hmm. that I would have found the same immediate success because I I do think I found immediate success in the role, but I didn't find long-term sustainability or long-term success. Yeah, And that gets back to my point of, I think I could fake it for a little while and probably uh-huh. be pretty good at it, but I can't fake it and be great at it. And you also probably wouldn't have joy, like you yeah. would be doing it. And I think that's something that in whatever people are trying to achieve, like sometimes we just get stuck in the process of just doing stuff repetitively to get better or getting better in a way that we think, or like maybe we're not even be deliberate. We're just mindlessly going about this task because like we're told to do it that way. And we don't really connect with like, what is the joy that this is bringing? And, and we, t- we tend to just be so much better at whatever we're doing. If we find like what motivates us with it, why we can be authentically doing it and like where the, the joy comes from. Mm, that's interesting. And I think I might want to use that to seg you to our next topic today. Yeah. Anything else I could clean up for you or, or you think this is a good jumping off point too? I think this is a great jumping off point. Okay. This is an interesting topic and this one's going to be a little challenging for some of our listeners because I don't know that they're, everyone who's listening right now is going to find an exact analog to the situation we're talking about. However, I think that the topics we discuss along the way and the approaches we discuss along the way can pay dividends, even if you don't have this competitive structure in your life. Mm -hmm. And let me just say what I'm talking about. We want to talk a bit today about laddering. And let me explain what laddering is if you're not a video gamer, because I think this is a pretty unique to video games type situation. Essentially, laddering is a system of ranking that's kind of ungated 
And what I mean by that is you participate in whatever the task is and, you know, playing games of League of Legends or playing games of Magic the Gathering. You are able to participate whenever you want. It's essentially an open system and you do some kind of matchmaking. You get put in a game and then you rank up based on your performance in those games. But it's not time gated. It's not you only get to do this five times a day. It's a system of playing that is part grind, part outcome. It's it's equally reliant on both quantity and quality and not always in the clearest distributions. Like it's not always patently clear which is more effective, just pure right. quantity or poor quality. And the reason we're talking about this today is that Magic the Gathering has a new program through which to play. It's called Arena. And they recently announced a very, very large tournament, a tournament with a prize pool of, I believe, a, a million dollars, yeah. uh, $250,000 to first place. And it's an invitational. And they gave 32 spots to the top 32 players in the world, essentially, from last year. They gave 24 Four. spots to invites people they chose who they identified as you know particular contributions to the game they they took the last couple of pro tour champions uh, a bunch of streamers some historical players and invited them and then we get to these last eight slots the last eight slots in this million dollar tournament are going to be offered to the top eight ranked players on the planet on arena in arena's ranked mode and arena's rank mode we we don't know specifics on exactly how rank is assigned we do know it's based on a system you can play 24/7 the more you win the higher your rank gets and that's about it we don't really have specifics beyond that if you are, if let me put it this way if you reach number 1 rank and you don't play for let's say a week you're probably you've fallen to the top 100 at that point. You have lost your rank. It requires constant commitment, constant playing. And Magic is not the only thing that uses this. League of Legends has a system somewhat similar. Uh, Hearthstone is another game that uses a ladder system for ranking. This is a crazy system, Jonathan. And I have some very strong opinions on the laddering system. But I know that a lot of our listeners are either going to or are attempting to engage with this process. But this ranking scares the crap out of me, Jonathan. And it scares the crap out of me, not only, I mean, not really for me. I'm not going to participate. Yeah. <laughs> I, I want to talk about, I want to talk to our listeners right now who are considering participating because I know a lot of my friends, I, I mean, like they want to play high level magic. They want to be involved mm-hmm. in this tournament and they're thinking about doing this right now. Yeah. So I, I wanted to get your thoughts. I wanted to share my thoughts, but I'll just kick it to you. Talk to me about your relationship with laddering either personally or professionally what do you what do you have to bring to the table here what do you know about laddering yeah well i mean i've seen it in other games like the hearthstone one originally i never pushed for rank one but it became this like weird cutoff where you had hours left and people were like bouncing back and forth league of legends has done a lot to alleviate the like total feel bads of it so the quick summary of way league of legends does their system now is basically at the end of the season, the top four people in every position in Challenger get invited to Scouting Grounds, which is like this cool four-team tournament where it's basically like a 
an ability to get scouted and get onto a big team, but they don't just like get your last rank, like over the span of a few months, they like take a snapshot every few weeks and they like discard your worst two weeks. So it's still very limited, but it like removes that feel bad of you need to be grinding to the very last second. And that wasn't always the case. Uh, So a system like that feels a lot better to me because it isn't like this really awful feel bad when you just like decide not to participate personally like yeah i'm not gonna i'm not gonna be pushing for one here because that's just not my day job i got a lot of other things going on but like weirdly like i'm I'm torn on systems like this because we've talked in the past how i just have a personality where i like setting my mind to things and achieving them and like i don't really care that it's a repetitive process my fear is that these kinds of systems if not done deliberately can actually be detrimental to people's growth if they're like looking to actually be better at whatever it is they're doing. Yes, I wholeheartedly agree. I, I think there's two really concerning things about what is as being presented, and this is a little magic specific, but I still think that a lot of other games have struggled with this. This is being presented as an ungated system. Mm-hmm. There's no throwaway period. There's no... There's just no clarity in terms of, is there anything in place that disincentivizes someone literally playing until they pass out at their desk? Mm -hmm. Like, is that going to be the number one player? Is it the person who has no other obligations, can literally play 20 hours per day doing nothing but playing magic at severe detriment to their physical well-being, psychological well-being? emotional well-being, everything at the expense of all other aspects of life and just plugged into Magic the Gathering Arena, is that the person who gets rewarded by a system like this? And in the absence of specific controls designed to disincentivize that kind of behavior, how could anything but that succeed? I mean, it just seems clear that that's ultimately the way this is going to go unless there's safety valves in place. And I want to get back to your point about meaningful practice. One of the great things about these kind of competitive endeavors that we take on, especially in the space of video games, where there's often uh, unlimited access to exhibition games. Mm-hmm. Like if you if you want to practice hockey, you don't have 24-7 access <laughs> no. to exhibition hockey yeah. games where you just queue up and you're put on a five-on-five right. five team with people It's super level. expensive. <laughs> right. It, it does not work that way. Video games, it does work that way. You have right. constant access to that. And one of the things about being able to play games at a lower stake is that you're almost incentivized to make mistakes and take mm. risks. And that's where some of the best learning happens. I know I, I mentioned something on Twitter today, basically to this affect my concerns with the system. And Ari Laxa, Pro Tour champion, responded with basically that point. He felt that it was very detrimental to actual development as a Magic player to participate in an environment where 24-7, you are incentivized to min-max, get as many points as you possibly can. So all of this being said, my severe concerns with this system as it exists Do you have advice for someone who's going to choose to participate in this? Because people are, and I think that's okay. I I mean, like, it's fine if you want to challenge yourself in this way, 
but there has to be some guidelines you're setting on yourself, right? There, there's almost no way that this doesn't consume your life unless you have some kind of checks. And then if you're inserting checks in your process, are you actually trying to win? Because maybe you, <laughs> maybe you can't win with checks. Yeah, it's really, there's like a few different camps here. Because I think there are probably also people like, I would fall into this camp if I had actual infinite hours. Like I enjoy the grind. Like it, it, in MMORPGs, like leveling is just super enjoyable for me. Like I like the, I, I, what I imagine is just the dopamine hit of like progression. And so it, it's enjoyable for me to just do it. And I would like do it without the actual award. And so there are people right now who are probably already laddering and they just like did it when there was an award an award and now like, Hey, maybe that, maybe I get there. And so like, if that was a healthy behavior, like let's just say everything else is balanced and good. And like they were, they weren't literally spending 24 hours. Then, I mean, that's fine. And this is just an added bonus on the flip side though. Yeah. Like the, the risk adverse behavior that it creates, I think is bad. I think it also creates a lot of ladder anxiety. I've seen this a talk, lot. Talk about that. Yeah, explain that concept because I, I have seen this a lot. I, I know so many people who, who experience it, and I think it's something that not everyone quite understands. Yeah. So, and I think a similar anxiety exists outside of video games too. So, like, even mm-hmm. if you don't play video games, like people experience this. But it's in video games, like to play a ladder match in in whatever game you're talking about, just a ranked match. Most of the time, you just have to click like a button. Like it'll often just say play. But if you are concerned about the results of what's going to happen when you play, like if you're afraid to lose or if losing is associated with failure, like because it's going to lower your rank or whatever, it's very common to develop anxiety that prevents you from even engaging in this game that's supposed to be fun and that's that's not good like we're supposed to be playing these things for fun right right and and that's the thing like when you pile more and more stakes and more and more demands on a ladder system do you lose all fun it's this constant battle for competitive people like myself where i want to embrace the joy of the task i'm doing and make sure everything i do is something that benefits my life in some way. I try to be very conscious about that. But at the same time, I recognize there's things you just need to work hard at and things that don't come easy and things that are going to be a struggle. And I like overcoming those struggles. I guess there's almost this, it's a very vulnerable relationship we take on with video game developers where we're kind of asking them to be respectful and safe with our devotion, Mm -hmm. right? It's like you can push this way too far and just glue me into your system. And I want to be clear. I don't think in this instance, it's about a money grab because you kind of, if you're laddering to this extent on Magic Arena, you have everything. You've unlocked all the cards. Yeah, you're not spending any more money and you're not getting money. Like right. It's like a wash and it's crazy. It's almost like I I don't want to be a capitalist about this because I'm pretty far from (laughs) like that's not my concern ever, but it's just like there's no useful behaviors. There's no income generating behaviors on either side at this point. Right. It's just this weird symbiotic lock where no one's actually accomplishing anything except moving that little number up and down, which is odd. It's really odd. It feels almost like 
like matrixy and dirty. I don't know <laughs> yeah, how else just, to describe just it. Just plugged into the system. Yeah. 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 Because yeah. what are you accomplishing when, I mean, it's one thing when you're hooking me because you want to milk my wallet. Uh-huh. You're scum, and but at least you're scum in service of capitalism, like so many other people on this right, planet. Right, and right. you're just signing up for that same terrible system. In this situation where you're locking me into your system, why? Why Why is the system – why does it have to be set up like this? And I think we – a lot of times these laddering systems are made with the best intentions, right? They're just designed to give competitive people competitive outlets. Mm-hmm. But the problem is when you take a bunch of people who are – very much focused on min-maxing behaviors and succeeding, they then gamify the ranking system itself. And the way to win at the game of ranked ladders is generally play until you cannot play anymore. And that scares the crap out of me. Yeah, I think it comes down to, we've talked numerous times of like urging people to think about where their joy, their fun, their their happiness comes from. And so... If you are a person who is a professional or who is among the best at what they do, there are times where you just have to like employ a strategy that is not your preferred one. Like I think I've worked with some Overwatch pros, as I mentioned before, and like there was a period where Anna is a is a support character. She's like a sniper that heals, and and this one person like loved playing her, and it just became this meta this this period in the game where like. She wasn't as strong. And so like playing her was not something that you could do at the professional level. And this pro player had to play a different type of support. And like it was the best strategy for their team. And like it wasn't nearly as fun, but because they're professionals and they're competing, like that was just the the switch you made because you're trying to win and it's your job and money's on the line. That's way different if we go to like you are playing this game for fun and you're laddering and so at that point the rank really doesn't matter other than like what you tell yourself about it and so this person if they're not a professional they could just be playing Ana instead of Zenyatta and and they could be having fun and it's it's detrimental to their win rate most likely but it's okay because that's the relationship they have with the game because they're not professionals and so I think when people start assigning worth to wherever they are located on these ranked systems that that makes it's really hard to balance having fun when fun isn't the optimal way to rank up if your self-worth is attached to rank right and here we're dealing with something beyond self-worth we have now attached a, a million, significant 250 cash grand, reward. Like, and I, I want you to consider too, like this cash reward means one thing to you and I, and it means another thing to actual like rich people who don't have to consider money whatsoever. Yeah. It means something different to them. But I also want to consider people who are in very difficult situations, who see no real way out of their very difficult mm. situations, you know, economically impoverished, but they have access to magic arena through some means. And, you know, if, if you are in a position where it's difficult to find the money to feed yourself on a regular basis, but you have an internet connection and you have a computer and someone presents you with this chance and says, look, if you just play magic for 22 hours a day, maybe you have the opportunity 
to go and win $250,000. I think if you rewind to me in college, <laughs> this is like, uh, sure. Okay. Like, yeah, I love playing games and wait. So minimum cash is like 7,500 or whatever. I don't remember the exact number. Yeah, I think that's right. And, and like max is like a 250 grand. Like, uh, yeah, I will switch whatever fun game I'm playing to, to, to playing this. And I love min maxing. So I'm going to figure out how to do that. And I bet it would take all of the fun out of it pretty quickly. It would be a mm-hmm. job. And like, mm-hmm. that's not what I was. And a job that like doesn't even have a guaranteed payoff. That's that's the hook. That's what I wanted to get to is that you have now instilled the professional mindset. The you have created a army of players who are no longer playing Anna except they're not professionals. Right. And for millions of people, actual actual yeah, maybe liter- millions of people. Literal millions. They are going to walk away from this whole engagement with ranked play with absolutely nothing. And eight people on the planet Earth are going to get something from it. Yeah. Now, I, I know you've heard the horror stories that come from Hearthstone. Oh, right? yeah. And the last two-day period of people just staying up for 48 hours straight, trying to get into the... It used to be critical that you finished in the top 100 mm-hmm. in Hearthstone. And the endless grind of the last two days where players are just playing in perpetuity and doing very real psychological and physical harm to themselves. Well... That is for a game which rewards the top 100 people regionally. Mm-hmm. There are multiple regions. The system we are now faced with for Magic Eight Arena. in the world. The world. I mean, there is no conceivable way in an ungated system that someone finishing in the top eight could have done anything but play for 22 plus hours a day. It just doesn't make sense yeah. to me. I don't know how you make it work unless... You have a very specific algorithm slash ranking system slash limiter on how many games you can play per day. Right. But regardless of whether that exists or not, it's not open. We don't know how arena ladder ranking works. There has been no disclosure of the ranking system. And as players who are participating in something which hasn't been defined, that is so psychologically harmful to the point that on top of all of this... In the announcement of this tournament, they made very clear that the ranking reflected on your client, oh, yeah. what your what your client tells you you are ranked, is not actually accurate. Are you kidding me? Is that how could that possibly hey, be real? You, you have might, no way you might of be knowing. Top eight. You might be top eight right now. Might be. But Who maybe, knows? But maybe don't not. take don't take this as word for yeah. it. I mean, this whole system has so many. I, if you can hear me getting worked up about this, I see so many psychological red flags built into this system that I'm concerned. I'm concerned that the about the effect it's going to have on players' well-being. I'm concerned that possibly this was not entirely thought out. And I think there's still time. Hopefully, yeah. someone will listen to this. And I, look, I, I know that our family of podcasts has some play among decision holders when it comes to these type of situations, the powers behind magic are having kind of a hard time right now. There's a lot of seemingly endless PR disasters, some of which are self-made, some of which are unfair. That's neither here nor there, but they're in a position where I think it's really challenging to be like, look, we may have got this wrong. Maybe we need to just take a step back and make sure we have some safeguards in place. That's going to be a difficult thing to do right now. 
for Wizards of the Coast, the company that makes Magic the Gathering. But having laid out this system as it exists right now, I think this is borderline abusive to their customer base. And you know that's a harsh take, but I just don't know how you're supposed to healthily engage with this system as it stands right now. Yeah. So some ways to healthily engage just in general. So system aside, let's say that we can't change it. I think people listening to us come, like they, they put their earbuds in, they listen to us because they're trying to be great at whatever it is they're trying to do. In the pursuit of being great, like take being top eight out of it or whatever it is in your in your respective realm away from it. Like I am more concerned with people's long-term continued growth and so that over time will eventually get you to the point where you find opportunities in whatever you're trying to compete. As and, and if it doesn't, then well said. The system probably sucks and you should probably you can you can be an agent of change there. But let's just say that your goal isn't being an arbitrary top eight in a confusing system that is super ambiguous and 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 ultimately not healthy. Like one, we've talked about worth, we've talked about joy. Like figure out what like don't attach self-worth to results. Like I think it's important to understand that you want to be more competitive and results are useful data, but like you are not your data. I think in terms of these, these ladder systems, a lot of things, a lot of times what ends up happening is like people just like plug into the matrix as we're saying, and you just hit play over and over and over and over and over again. It's just this loop that like doesn't break and there's no feedback. So I think tracking stats is super important. You don't have to get like mathematician level on it, but I think having an idea of how well you're doing for for a couple of reasons, like when you're on a win streak, you tend to just think everything you're doing is right. And if you don't stop and analyze that, you miss a lot of learning opportunities. And probably more commonly, if you're just losing over and over again, you get this in this mindset, like you've never won or you blame things outside your control. Maybe you start tilting off. You start actually letting your mind affect your gameplay. And so with that, I think that one of the most important things, winning, losing, goal, whatever it is, is just like build in some pauses, build in some recovery time, get up, stand up, walk around. Or even if, you're, if your pause is just sitting and reviewing whatever you just played, and just thinking about if, if it went well, why did it go well? If it didn't go well, why didn't it? And like building that into your next, I think like being more mindful about the process helps curb the risks of some of those negative psychological patterns we can easily fall into into a system like this. Because re- like our, our brain is so wired to just seek dopamine hits over and over and over again and even if it's it ends up being like an abusive relationship because like maybe you're losing and then you, you like you just keep chasing that win whereas if you had paused and just thought about a different approach maybe that would have been successful and that's the stuff that like long term those habits is what helps you see progress yeah i really like the idea of checking in after whatever set block you would like to do Mm -hmm. for longer games, like say league of legends. I know when I was doing ladder work on league of legends, I like to just after every game, two things I did well, two things I could have done better. Mm -hmm. Really simple check-in something to focus on for the day. Like if you have decided I am devoting some portion of this day to laddering, 
I would have a goal before the day even begins. And Hmm. one of the things that I'll always remember the one that really clicked for me. And I don't remember who I picked this up from, but it was definitely like either on Reddit or I saw some pro player doing it. But with League of Legends, there's like active items, right? So things like Blade of the Rune King activations and Zonia's Hourglass. Essentially, it's abilities outside of your standard abilities that you get by purchasing certain things. And when I was a brand new player, I'd never used my active. I was just so (laughs) horrible about remembering to use active abilities. And finally, what I had to do was get a post-it note, put it on the side of my monitor that just said, use active abilities, idiot. (laughs) <laughs> and seeing that all the time down in the right corner next to my mini map yep. made it so much easier to finally learn to use my active abilities. And like on that day, I said, okay, this is the day where I teach myself to finally use my active abilities. And maybe with, you know, arena ladder, you say, this is the day where I want to work on how I build my sideboards or, you know, making sure I am exploring alternate builds in my sealed pools or things like that. (laughs) The thing I keep coming back to though, and I want to move past this, but all of these behaviors are are not incentivized by the current structure. Oh, I know. That's the problem is that like all of these things, which I know to be beneficial as a player, as a human being, I mean, how important it is to take breaks, to stay well-rested, all of that stuff if the latter is just an endless grind, it, it's actively disincentivizing these type of behaviors. Right. Unless if whatever you're doing is leading to lots of losses, I think a grinding mentality just says like, keep running into the problem and it's a numbers game. And eventually like my losses won't be losses. Whereas like winning does matter in these systems. So if pausing for a minute or reflecting on what you're doing and and finding something to change increases your win rate than like long term or even just in the span of that season that is going to be more meaningful than losing seven more times like an hour because like it, it will actually give you an upward trajectory let me ask you something have you ever worked under billable hours before yes okay so you know <laughs> That when you are working under billable hours, there's this constant need to evaluate your time expenditures and make sure they add value. Right. You have you have no time available to you that can be used not in production of something. Yeah. Or if you are going to use some time that isn't productive, you have to weigh that against, okay, this is an hour I'm not billing for. Or this is a six-minute block I'm not billing for. Yes, lawyers now bill in six-minute blocks, and it's terrible. It used to be 15. It's now down to six-minute blocks. So the process you're describing, thinking about this behavior in contrast, like healthy behaviors in contrast to just getting back on the ladder, now requires a constant equilibrium like like roi (laughs) yeah it's a constant roi calculation you have to be making with food i mean it it gets down (laughs) to food like is it worthwhile for me to stop and eat yeah if it's on i'm laughing i'm laughing because i'm laughing because it's terrible like i I, I don't actually think it's uh i know and I, i i don't see a way around that as the system exists. So I, I think my main advice, I, I, I love your points. I think your points are fantastic for growth as a player. And that brings me to my ultimate point. I do not believe that participation in this ladder is going to be beneficial to your growth as a player. Yeah. Bottom line, 
I, I think if you care about being a better Magic the Gathering player, it is in your best interest not to engage with this ladder, not to engage in the pursuit of those top eight spots. Yeah. I hope that there's at least one person listening right now who I'm going to save a lot of psychological hardship. And they're just going to go, you know what, Brian, you're right. I don't think this is worth it. And they're going to opt out. Because one more thing, Jonathan, someone's finishing ninth in this system. Oh, I know. And, and that person, do you think they put in any less effort, any less you know, soul-crushing hours than the person who finished eighth? It's going to be such a marginal yeah. distinction based on packet loss maybe maybe their last result didn't get in under the time or their electricity went out yeah it's crazy man it's really crazy and yeah i guess this has turned into kind of more of a complaint session than an actual like here's how to engage with this ladder because i firmly believe the answer is don't if this ladder becomes healthy i think that your tips are exactly what you need to do when i think if you're not intending to endlessly go for the top eight, like I think engaging in the way that I'm describing is, is where you will find growth as a player. Right. For for those who are outside the world of magic, like top eight is generally how a lot of tournaments go. I finished ninth in tournaments before. I'm sure you have too. Mm -hmm. I, if it feels awful, but it's like a lot. I can't imagine the comparative awful to, to finishing ninth in this because those tournaments were usually like a day or two. And right. Then, this is a month, month yeah. plus of your time. Right. So like, I think the, the overall message here is just like, like we talked billable hours and return on investment. Think about the return on investment for your life. And what is your goal here? If your goal is to make like a this invitational and and this goes for like any other competition you're doing too, like and and you you weigh it out, maybe you think about how, how Brian and I weighed our goals a, a couple episodes ago. Like if it seems like it, it the benefits far outweigh the obstacles, then like do it, but just it, I, I struggle to think that the amount of hours you need to put into a system to this are actually worth it. So I just I think we're just urging everyone to to be really aware and just like think about everything going into it. And conversely, is there another way to engage with magic or whatever it is that you need to grind to be noticed or to be successful? Like what is another approach to going about that? And just think about how like in terms of health, wellness, joy, et cetera, like that the ROI in those categories is likely a lot greater. Right. I think we can all find ways to engage with hobbies in a way, and not only hobbies, but competition in a way that fits them into our lives. Like my relationship with magic is one that I would point to where I wasn't comfortable with the traveling around to GPs. And look, there's always been some grind to magic. I don't want to discount that. There's always been ranking systems, but one that is like basically 24 seven feels a little bit different. But even the old ranking system, I wasn't comfortable engaging with. I didn't want to fly all the time. I didn't want to you know, have to be away from my wife every weekend. So I chose to engage with the game in a different way. And I think the birth of this ladder is just a good time to consider how you're engaging with the games you're playing and the sports you're doing. I I think this goes outside of even the laddering discussion and just how you're competing. Think about how your competitive bridge is affecting your life. Think about how your street fighter tournaments are actually benefiting to your well-being and just take a moment to reflect on that 
because we all get lost in the chase sometimes. And this is just kind of like head games PSA. <laughs> the tone <laughs> of this episode has gone to a place I didn't really think it was going to, but I do think it's an important message and I'm I happy agree. to talk about it today. Me too. Anything else you want to wrap up before no. we get up out of here, Jonathan? I know you and I are going to be in the same space this weekend. I am broadcasting another tournament down yeah. in Baltimore. I get to see um, it live in person. Right. And we're going to try and do a little blogging maybe. We'll, we'll try yeah. and get together and record some video stuff. Maybe we'll talk more about this. Uh, maybe we'll just talk about how the tournament is going. All kinds of fun stuff. But I encourage you to come back whenever the next time is that we play some more head games. Thank you.